evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. The gang all back together. We have Stephanie Burke. We have the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moni. So glad that we finally have the full spooky crew here in our pre-holiday show. And if you're watching on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, you see there's holiday decorations all around us. We are definitely in the mood for the season. How's everybody doing on your shopping? Stephanie, you done? Uh, no. No. Well, you know, you've you've already got the greatest gift that you can get. I do. A little bit early. I did. I had it. And of course, I'm talking about your wonderful husband. Right. Who's right. listening. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm he kidding. He might not be. He's probably in bed with the baby. But yeah, so welcome back. Great to have you back. Uh, now you. that uh, now that you are a mom, you will know how to better take care of the three of us. Right. I mean, I did a pretty good job before, but now I have a whole new skill set, so I'll have to try it out. And I promise that we're only half as cranky. <laughs> you never know. And, uh, of course, uh, Matt and Matt, you guys, I know uh, you've already got all your Christmas shopping done last year for this year, right? Because you're way in advance. Pretty much. You get the best sales that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever gift cards you can find at the convenience store on December 24th. All right. Well, we are going to get into the holiday spirit a little bit tonight here with you on the program because we have joining us. Uh, we've had her on the program before. Uh, S.E. Sch- Schlosser. Sorry. Uh, that's right. My name's Weisberg, too, so I'm used to it. But uh, S.E. Schlosser is the author of the Spooky Series by Globe Peacock. Pequot Press, as well as the Ghost Stories deck by Random House. She's been telling stories since she was a child when games of Let's Pretend quickly built themselves into full-length tales acted out with friends. She's a graduate of both Houghton College and the Institute of Children's Literature. She received her MLS from Rutgers University while working as a full-time music teacher and freelance author. She's probably best known in addition for being the author of the Spooky Series. She's also the webmaster and the writer on the American Folklore website that you can find at American Folklore Folklore.net. And she's joining us tonight on the phone as we talk Christmas, legends, and lore. Uh, good evening, Sandy. How are you? Hi, how are you? Oh, we are spectacular. And we're so glad that you could come back on the show. I'm sorry it took us so long to bring you back because we had such a fantastic discussion last time. Oh, we did. We did, absolutely. I'm uh, very excited to be here tonight. Well, and this is something that we have touched upon a little bit over the years, the fact that the holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, all of the stuff that uh, happens around this time of year, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, they all have their own unique legends, their own unique mythologies. And I know a lot of it has kind of been bastardized and conglomerated over the years, but what is it about this season that makes people feel like they need these stories to get through. <laughs> well, it tends to be a couple of different things are going on. You've got, it's the it's kind of the year is coming to a close and you've got the solstice coming, the winter solstice. So the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter, you know, and that has the whole folklore mythology all around that. In fact, Christmas was put there by the Christians to give some kind of a Christian celebration at the same time the pagans were doing their solstice thing, you know, so that was very deliberately put at the same time of year because they were already very conscious of the sun going away, we wanted to come back, we were going to do all kinds of celebrations to try and bring the sun back. Some of the most ancient ones were just, you know, pounding on, on pots and pans and different things, making noises, doing, you know, whatever kind of sacrifices you needed yeah, to do to bring Whatever the sun works. Back. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, I think Hanukkah was a, is, is here just because, you know, it's kind of coincidental, but it's also kind of cool. It's just they had their miracle 
this time of year, and um, they've been celebrating it ever since. It's not one of their major holidays, but with Christmas being such a major Christian holiday, you know, um, I think that has brought Hanukkah forward. And, of course, Kwanzaa is just a brand-new holiday, you know, that's been created at the same time, just a good time to get together with family and celebrate African-American traditions. And so that's very new. But even being a new holiday, I mean, they've, they've already started inserting their own stories, their own legends, and it seems like a lot of the times uh, different religions will co-opt uh, some of the ideas, you know, uh, even some of the modern things. Like, uh, I, I think it's only been like really the last decade that I've heard of Elf on a Shelf, but that's become a big part of everybody's <laughs> yes. Christmas. And now, you know, uh, the, the the Jews, we all have, and I say we because I am half Jewish, but you know, now they've got the mensch on the bench. You know, every, it seems like if there's <laughs> why not? <laughs> sure, if there's one thing that somebody has, then another. You know, like I never heard when I was growing up, I never heard of a Hanukkah bush. But now it's right. a thing for some people because they want to kind of co-opt the Christmas tree idea. Yeah. And a, a friend of mine who is who is Jewish um, had just on Facebook shared um, with uh, that group, um can't remember the name of it, some, something the Macadians, but they had just done a wonderful song called It's All About the Nez, which was all about the miracle. And it was just probably one of the best songs I ever saw. I, I actually, if I'd had a moment, which I haven't yet, but I want to put it in the Hanukkah section of my website because it's just a great video. It was wonderful explaining the story, and it was hilarious. I was like, this is so great. So, you know, I love it when, when you know, this, this kind of thing. There's so much musical tradition around Christmas and seeing a lot of this wonderful music now carrying over into some of the other um, religious celebrations at this time of year is just it's delightful to me. I just love it. I, you know, I want to be able to share that, that song out with, you know, all of my Jewish audience who's coming in to read the Hanukkah stories and yeah, it's it's really cool. <laughs> what I've always liked about some of the stories too is that you know, a lot of times when we have these these tales that we tell, uh, we will have uh, morals behind them, and of course, a lot of these Christmas stories, especially, they have a moral behind them. But some of them just exist uh, to further enhance the spirit of the season and the spirit of giving. So it's not it's not necessarily about learning a lesson as much as it is about uh, just learning to love one another and learning to give. I can't think of a better lesson, though. Right. <laughs> That's uh, I think you summed up two of the big important lessons in this life. Well, and I, I say that every year. You know, it's not about what you get. It's about what you give and, and, and how much you give. And I only say that because I get really cheap presents for everybody. <laughs> so when I go to the dollar store and everybody gets, you know, uh, a potholder or a grill lighter, just understand it was the spirit of which it was given. You know what I started doing a few years ago? Um, not all the time, but I, I actually sit down and I and I do cards for birthdays and Christmas. And not just like the Christmas cards, but I actually write cards for my family. And I do it um, to put with their presents, and I actually make the card the gift. So instead of just signing it, I actually write inside the card just the different things that I've really noticed and appreciated about the family member in the past few weeks or months. So it's very relevant and very current. And just the things that, you know, when I see them, it just makes me catch my breath and think, wow, I'm related to this person. That's amazing. You know, um, just wanted to make the card the gift. So even though they got a present, a lot of times I notice that they keep the card, even if they long past forgot even what present the card came with. Um, so I've started doing that as a personal tradition, just 
making the card the gift. Well, it is a very sentimental season. I mean, and it really is about, uh, you know, how we connect with one another. And I, I guess if you want to go back to the uh, idea of Christmas and the whole reason it exists, being the birth of Jesus, that's one of the lessons that he would have wanted us to, to carry forward, uh, is that we need to learn to, to love one another and to always have a place in our heart for each other. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's too easy, too easy to always remember, you know, the stuff that's annoying you in that particular time period and talk about it. So it's one of the reasons why, you know, whenever we have the different celebrations that are out there that remind us, no, wait a minute, talk talk to people about the great stuff and, and, you know, appreciate who they are. That's that's really cool. That's, that's um, you know, having a whole time of year where everybody's kind of rallying around that theme. Is, you know, I, I almost just don't think we can do that enough. I also like, too, that with a lot of these uh, stories that we tell around this time, and especially when you're dealing with a lot of the, the Santa Claus legends and, and of similar type figures, you know, they seem to always have a place in the modern world. Even if it's a, an old world legend, it always seems to find a way to, to still be part of our collective fabric, even now in the modern age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I... Uh you know some of the some of the legends that come down now i mean um you know one of my favorites is from new york city and it's like so old but it's like the santa claus legend you know made real it's it's that the story's called a gift from saint nicholas and um it was just the typical the family started off rich the guy won the heart of um of his wife um, you know, and the Burgermeister lost her, and so the Burgermeister basically set out to ruin this shoemaker. And um, so they are literally at their last meal on Christmas Eve, and the um, the guy is named Kloss, and he's looking in for his only last treasure that he has, which I believe it was a pipe that had been given to him in a stocking, and he was absolutely sure it had come from St. Nicholas. It was, like, too expensive, totally something that his parents couldn't have afforded, and he'd been keeping it since he was a little boy. And he's like, okay, well, I have to feed my family. I'm going to have to sell this. And as he's taking out his final prize possession. There's a knock on the door, and this jolly man comes in and says, hi, you know, I've come to spend the evening with you guys, you know? And, I mean, he is, like, the perfect St. Nicholas character. And, you know, he's like, well, I'm, I'll, I'll sit by the fire and I'll warm myself and why don't we have some food? And they're like, we don't have any food left, literally. I'm about to sell my last possession. And, he's, and he says, well, I smell goose cooking. And they open the cupboard and there's like this whole Christmas feast in there. And it was totally a miracle. So they feast and at, um, at midnight, he's like, well, I've got to go. And so he, he kind of jumps up and the family swore that he went up the chimney. The, the, all the women thought he went up the chimney. All the boys and the dads thought he kicked up some dust and ash in the fireplace and then escaped out the door. But the next morning when they checked the fireplace, they found a big bag of silver coins and they heard a clamor outside and when they went outside, their house had gone from a hovel to the fancy brick mansion. It was called the Brick House for many, many years and this was the story associated with it that was there in New Amsterdam until the British took over and, and you know, raised the block and put their own stuff in there. But that that was always that house was attributed to being transformed by Saint Nicholas and they felt that he had blessed Klaus and his family so much that they made him the alderman for their village, which was like the head the head man of the village at the time. So it was just great and it's just the kind of thing I could totally picture it as a film, you know. <laughs> but it's just that transformative Saint Nicholas character 
transforming lives. And this is in, in, you know, it's a Dutch story from New Amsterdam before it was even New York. So pretty cool. You mentioned, you know, picturing it as a film, and, and, and the idea of, of St. Nicholas or Santa Claus coming to visit, uh, and especially coming to visit when not on his rounds necessarily, you know, coming coming to people before he's actually out delivering all the toys, that's a pretty common, I guess, a, a modern legend. You know, we have uh, Miracle on 34th Street, we have Santa Claus the movie, even Ernest Saves Christmas, you know, these type of more modern tellings of Santa Claus, they always seem to involve him getting involved in our everyday world uh, and that helping people to learn the meaning of Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that whole idea of, um, if you've heard of the, the phrase angels unaware, you know, where you're entertaining angels unaware, it's the same, same idea, you know, he's a saint. I mean, literally, everybody talks about Santa Claus, but the, the origins of him is Saint Nicholas, who was a man who was devoting his life towards, you know, helping other people. And so that idea of, you know, entertaining a saint unawares is the same thing. Um, and in this case, it's a, a saint who gives gifts. And, of course, the Santa Claus legend being predominant uh, in Christmas legend and lore, but there's one that has taken on an, a new life of its own in recent years, and that's Krampus. Krampus is definitely making a comeback. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think part of it is that episode of American Dad, you know, pushing it too, but guys like Jeff Belanger who have been out there sharing this legend, it, it's worked its way back in, and everything old becomes new again eventually. And Belschnickel. No, we'll definitely oh, be talking definitely, about that. Yes, too. that's the one that I'm, I'm familiar with very. But um, I'm part. I, I think I'm like maybe one thirty second Dutch. But you know that allows us to you know <laughs> celebrate Saint Nicholas Day <laughs> and Der Belsnickel and, and that one. I love that story because it's like the story is that Saint Nicholas um, on the day before his birthday that is celebrated on I believe it's December sixth. So December 5th, he pulls together and, and chains the devil up and says, okay, you're the one who has to go around and find out if all of the little Dutch kids have been naughty or nice, and if they've been good and they can recite their lessons and they you know, know their scripture passages, then St. Nicholas will come on his birthday and put um, gifts in their shoes. And if they haven't been, they're going to get coal. So that's right there is your coal versus gift tradition. Um, but it was on St. Nicholas Day. And uh, one of my favorite stories that has been passed down in Maryland was um, a family actually would see their their uncle would dress up as, as their belt nickel, and he'd come in the house, and he'd be all scrungy looking and covered in coal dust and everything. And the kids would shriek, and they'd half believe he was really there, and he'd make them line up, and, you know, he'd quiz them almost like a quiz, like like a teacher. You know, can you quote this scripture? Can you say this mathematical problem? And he'd go up and down the line, and if they got it right, he'd be all mad because that meant he had, St. Nicholas was going to give him a gift. You know, and if they got it wrong, he'd wave his chains, you know, and he'd try and scare them. And while he's doing this, this 12-year-old girl, who was the oldest in the family, is watching his shadow because his shadow is not doing the same thing he's doing. It's actually forming into the real, she's actually seeing the real Dare Belsnickel showing up inside his shadow, and his shadow is starting to move in an opposite direction from him, and she actually sees it, like, crawl up to the roof and look at her with these golden eyes and even calls her by name. And she's so frightened, she actually faints. And um, 
her family when they wake her up they send the kids off to bed or to their activities and they ask her what happened and she said i saw this creature calling me by name and they said yeah that tends to happen in our family right on on the birth, the 12th birthday is that you know the kids see their belt nickel and they also get to see the saint so you should be on the lookout because you may see saint nicholas in the next 24 hours and she couldn't sleep that night because she was so freaked out by what was happening. So she got up and looked out in the moonlight. She actually saw St. Nicholas coming door to door with his sleigh, with his pack of with his pack of um, presents to put the presents and, and coins and fruit and different things in, in the um, kids' shoes. So she saw him in passing, and Dare Bell's nickel was right there, and he was running in front of the sleigh, and he was all mad. She saw the real guy the same one she'd seen in her uncle's shadow um but when she saw him he was totally under the under the control of the saint she realized she didn't actually have anything to scare um but she actually got to see the true saint nicholas that night and that was i love that story i thought that was really cool well and when you have a story like that that is something that is particular to a culture uh particular to a certain segment of people but it becomes something that we can be universal. Uh, and we see that a lot in paranormal research and in, in, in some of the ghost stories that we have. There's a lot of stories that may seem very provincial and, and, and very uh, segmented toward a, a specific portion of the population, but they have universal themes. And Absolutely. One of the Hanukkah stories um, is that, that I have on the website um, is um, actually one of those universal themes, and the story is very modern. Um, it was one of the guys who was over, I'm not sure which of, which of the more current wars he was in, but it was something like the Gulf War. Um, so it was in, within the last 15, 20 years, and he, um, was killed in the war. Um, but it was, he, he was, um, killed, and the night he was killed would happen to be Hanukkah, um, one of the days of Hanukkah, and so, his parents didn't know he died and he appeared to his mom and he sat on the side of the bed and said happy hanukkah mom i want you to know i'm all right and you know she thought he'd just been you know he'd been let out early and this was a surprise visit you know and and that he was home um and then they got the telegram the next day that said or the visit from the you know the authorities saying i'm sorry your your son was was killed in action mm. um and so he came home for hanukkah to tell his parents specifically that yeah his body was dead but he was still okay and um i thought it was very moving because you hear that a lot of people who have just lost someone and they don't always know but they meet that they meet them um after they've died um, just that one time, just so that they know, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm okay. You know, just because my body's not here anymore doesn't mean that I'm not still um, the person that you knew and loved in life and that, that everything's going to be fine and that we'll be together again someday. That's another part of that theme that comes out a lot. That actually happened to me. Yes. Yes. Um, 2001, my mother died of a particular type of cancer. And I was there when she physically died. I got home and uh, had a couple of friends meet me on my uh, porch to extend sympathies. And my phone rang, and it had a weird, uh, the best way I can describe it is an unusual type of ID on it that didn't make any sense. I answered the phone, and my friend's standing right there, and I heard my mother's voice saying, I'm okay, Mac, and then phone call ended 
that has to be, oh my gosh, <laughs> you've made me cry. I'm sorry. That, that's amazing. That's well, amazing that she that she reached out to you like that. And <laughs> the two people that were right there definitely heard her, and one of them was a, a long-standing friend of over thirty years who definitely knew her voice, and even he said that was her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's yeah. uh, that's probably the best gift that you can get is to to know that your loved ones are still around you. And, and, and Stephanie, you being, you know, a medium, you know that. You know that people are all around us all the time. But sometimes right. people need to have that direct connection for themselves. And, and, and the holidays, of course, are probably a great time for people to reach out and do so. It does. And I think, like, in Matt's case, especially where you're surrounded by the paranormal, something simple, like a simple message from her, you might have blown off. You know, I just thought, like, oh, it could have been anything. But her way of knowing to have such a direct message to you in, in such a direct way, I think, touched home with you a little bit more. I think it, it they do that with skeptics, too. It happens a lot. Sure, but. yeah. But what I found really interesting is she didn't use my my given name of Matthew. She called me Mac, and that's what right. she had she been known to do. Right. She was just definitely trying to get it across to you. That, it's that, definitely that there's no right. if and or but this is who this is. And also do it right. in a loving way, too. Yeah. For so. someone like you, a butterfly wouldn't have cut it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you needed you needed that. that And the method that she used, too, was, was the method that was the one that would get it across to you. Right. So you would know there was no doubt that this is your mom. Yeah. As a, you know? As a scientist, I'm trained to look at things very objectively and this and that. This was, wasn't, was you know, oh, I heard the voice or I thought I, you know, dreamt her. This, this was a physical device doing a physical right. thing, which I know in, as a scientist, this requires energy and this is, you know, there's something that has to happen in order to make the phone right. ring. And but make not even noise. as a scientist, being surrounded by the paranormal, you're used to walking into a place and hearing footsteps or right. hearing disembodied voices. And that's nothing new to you, so you wouldn't bat an eye at that. So, you know, calling you by your nickname and calling your cell phone and hearing her voice after she passed, that's a direct way. Even if you didn't, didn't have a degree in science, you'd still it still makes you stop and wonder. And it got really, my undivided right. attention. Yeah. Well, and we have a lot of those stories, uh, Sandy, in, in throughout history of it, – it, it's different, of course, when you're dealing with the spirit of somebody who was a direct loved one. But ghost stories in general are a big part of, of Christmas tales. And, and you know, we, there's some on your website, but also you know, Dickens, of course, being probably one of the most famous uh, Christmas ghost stories. It seems like people really want to have that connection to their loved ones at the holidays. Absolutely. The ones who have passed, I mean. Absolutely. Um, one of the ones that, that I liked the best, I, I just called it Haunted Christmas because, you know, it was a Wisconsin story about a man who was coming home from midnight mass. And he was like you were just saying before, like Stephanie was saying, he was hearing these footsteps behind him. And it's like the snow is just is raining down on him, but he's not getting wet. His coat is staying completely dry. Um, and he's like in this bubble as he's going home. And then as he, as he mounts his steps, um, the footsteps just disappear. And he looks behind him, wondering if somebody turned off on a side street and he only sees one set of footprints, but he feels this breeze, like, go past him as if it went right through the door. And he was, like, totally freaked out. But like Dickens' character, he walked in, um, and then he saw a firelight, and a friend came 
lying out of his, uh, I guess, his, his study or, you know, one of one of his uh, rooms that he used a bachelor. So he had a housekeeper who was asleep, and then this study or his, his main living room, um, his friend had apparently come in while he was out and built the fire and was waiting for him. And so he forgot all about the footsteps and went, and they had this wonderful time. They talked and talked. His friend looked a little ill, but was, um, you know, and stayed huddled by the fire, but he was, they were so glad to see each other, hadn't seen each other in years. Um, and he even went down to the kitchen and brought up a full meal for them, and they're eating and they're drinking, and then he shows his friend to, uh, the, you know, one of the guest rooms that was just down the hall from that room. And the next morning when he walked, woke up, his friend wasn't in the room, the bed hadn't been slept in, the meal was still, he, his plate was empty, but his friend's <laughs> plate that he, he'd been eating off of, supposedly, was sitting right by the fire, the empty, you know, the blackened fire place and it was still full of food um and he got a telegram i'm not sure if it was christmas day or the day after saying that his friend had passed away on christmas eve so his friend had actually not only like a phone call had actually appeared to him and and had he had had been if not physically present he actually got to see you know his, his friend um for one last long conversation um it was just I love that story, and it's very powerful. It was it was a, um, a true story of a little bit older, I believe. It was um, not horse and carriage days and, like, Model T Ford days, um, and that one's been around for a long time. And I, I just have always found that moving, although probably I think I liked your cell phone story even better, um, <laughs> maybe because it's it's modern and it's something that just, I don't know, that really touched me. It touched me too. <laughs> As somebody who's not easily That's what it's supposed to do that, that was why she called. Well, in a lot of these uh, tales that we hear and that we share, uh, the the idea behind them, the basis for them, is uh, is is love, and that's that's what we're trying to to push. That's the feeling and the emotion that we want everybody to share this time of year. Uh, there are some stories that we tell though that are are designed to instill i don't want to say fear necessarily but of course you know we tell the story that if you if you misbehave santa claus is going to put coal in your stocking so there is some degree of uh, of a lesson to be learned is is a lot of that do you think because this is the time of year when we get ready to reflect upon the year past and think about the things that we did wrong and, and think about the things we want to do right going forward hmm I don't know. It also could be against greed. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> you know, if anybody's been a parent of a kid who's just, or, you know, a niece or a nephew who's walked into a toy store at a certain age and is like, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, or, I want. Or every like, toy commercial that comes on after Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's going on the list. Oh, I didn't know that exists. That's going on the list. How about yes, that big exactly. book of Exactly. I can see the temptation where you might say, you better be good if we're going to get you all this stuff. <laughs> Stephanie brought up a good point. Toys R Us starts putting out that big book of toys, and then it's just over. And they you, give you the stickers so you can like stick them on the toys that you want. So oh, it just you might as, it so convenient. You might as well just just send it back to them with your credit card. Say right. one of everything. Exactly, one of everything. You put the whole truck and back it into the thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just remember that phase and just how I was like, I was so glad when they've got past that. And yeah, they still appreciate getting stuff, but they also really are beginning to understand now. All my nieces and nephews are old enough to begin to get that Christmas a little bit more than just, you know, opening all of the presents, all the presents under the tree and, um, that there's more, more meaning to it than that. But that's, you know, my theory has always been. <laughs> <laughs> Some poor parent was like, it's not all about that. <laughs> if you're going to do this, you better be good. <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I, I wonder if it wasn't just from like some cheap parent or, or, or someone who didn't want to go out and actually spend the money on anything saying like, no, you've been naughty, so you get coal. You know, like it was really just the the ingenious way of one parent getting out of something, and it helped uh, to inspire you know millions of kids for for generations after that. And also, you know, the way that uh, you know we're lucky a little bit this year because fuel prices have gone down. But there are some years that I might have actually wanted to be bad in order to get that coal so I could stay warm for the rest of the winter. You know that I can't. Yeah, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Right, I can't heat my house with a He-Man figure. <laughs> not true. for long. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a very short flyer, wouldn't it? <laughs> you you mentioned though that that your family is of an age where they're learning that it's not all about what you get and all about what the gifts are, and we we think that you know for a lot of uh, younger kids especially, uh, you know they're kind of wrapped up in that idea. They're wrapped up in the idea of what Santa Claus is going to bring. But when you think about it, when you get ready for Christmas, when you hear that song. That makes you know that it's Christmas time. When you see that television special, that makes you feel that it's Christmas time. The feeling that you get, it isn't immediately about what gift you're going to receive. It's always about whatever you feel in your heart or whatever you feel emotionally attached to the season. And and I think that that's what a lot of these stories that we share are designed to to play upon as well. They're designed to to open up that door of our heart that's open up for you know maybe a month out of the year. Yeah, I was. I, when I was really little, I always just thought it was magic. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was, the toys were great, but the feeling was always like it's just like magic. It's that that Grinch moment, you know, when he suddenly brings everything back and it's there. It was just like it's, I always thought it was like magic. And I remember when suddenly Santa wasn't real, and I finally got it. It was like magic went out of Christmas, and you know I, that was so disappointing to me. And it's funny as as an adult, and it's only been the last couple of years I suddenly realized, wow. That feeling that I had when I was a little kid's come back, you know, not just for Christmas, but for all of all of life, you know, I, I'm like, oh, wow, there's so much behind this, you know, we were just talking about the science aspect of things, and there's so much that we can't measure as scientists yet, because so much of what, we, even, you know, the love you feel for your family can't really be measured on a scientific device. Mm-hmm. It's just, we're not there. You know, maybe in the far, far future, but right now we're just not there. We can measure energy, but we can't say what necessarily what it means and what it means inside the person's head where we're measuring all the sparkles that are going off in their brain. So, you know, I'm, I realize it's like it's not just that every day is a gift. It's so cliche, but it's so true. But that, you know, I seeing seeing the miracle in just all of the things that are around you, it's uh, the world seems to be, to me, full of magic these days, even if it's not the uh, sword and sorcery kind. And um, I'm so glad that I got that feeling back. You know, it's not there every day, but, but you know, I, I tend to see the center of the universe as a fountain of joy. That joy is just bursting out if you can, like, reach down and find it in yourself. And I think part of the Christmas is about finding that joy. Well, that I, joy that I, maybe yeah. is was the very, maybe that was the Big Bang, was that first moment when, you know, we we coalesced and said, "Wow, <laughs> here I am! Look, I'm alive! This is amazing!" You I, know, I, and I think that that's part of what a lot of people gravitate toward is uh, even as much as life can get you down, and even as much as uh, you know you, you can get kicked in the stomach all year long. There's this one period of time that's reserved for all that stuff to go out the window, and of course, there's there's all the different stresses that are associated with the holidays themselves, and there's a reason why people you know get depressed at this time of year, but in general, we have it kind of reserved in our mental calendar.
years as this is the time when we have to let a lot of the things go, you know, goodwill toward men. And I think we're able to compartmentalize a lot of things that would benefit us more the rest of the year. I mean, I hate to be cliche and say it should be Christmas all year round, but really it'd be a better world if it was. Yeah. I think it should be. Well, that's because you just want me to give you a gift every time I see you. I haven't got one yet, so... (laughs) No, but you know everybody what? gets to give you a gift every time they see you. I mean, if you really think about it, mm-hmm. and you and you take it, you know, take it out to the logical end. You know, every time that person actually sees you and smiles, that is a gift. We it's just don't always true. remember that that's a gift. Well, that's why you they know? call it being in their presence. <laughs> Wrapped up with a bow. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> so, I always love that joke. <laughs> it was corny, but it's always one of my favorites. <laughs> Christmas jokes are allowed to be corny. That's 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 part <laughs> of the, the charm of the season. Yeah. So w- when uh, you know when when we're collecting all of these tales over the years, there's a reason why certain ones stick out and certain ones become universal. Uh, with a lot of these themes that we're talking about, is there a particular? I mean, I assume Santa Claus being one of them, uh, but is there a particular uh, tradition, uh, particular mythology associated with Christmas that you see across many cultures? I mean, it, it seems like they've all just been adopted from one to the other. You know, we take the German idea of the Tannenbaum, and now we have a Christmas tree. Uh, you know, all of the, these different things that we've accumulated over the years have come from so many different cultures. Is it is it just too much of a big melting pot now? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm glad that some people still celebrate like the sixth of no uh, or the sixth of December as Saint Nicholas Day. I'm glad that that even though it's in subcultures, I'm glad that's still there. That people realize that it's separate from Christmas, um, and that there are two different celebrations. You know, but but yeah, it has become a bit of a melting pot. You know, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why so many people are turning back and saying, wait, you know, we've got to go back to church and do the, you know, Christmas Eve service or the Christmas morning service and get back to the roots because we've lost our roots in, in all of the melting pots, you know. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I think everybody everything evolves. I think it has to because as, as people grow closer together, it's not a bad thing that we're all thinking about goodness and light at this time of year. I just can't believe that that's a bad thing, even if it is a bit of a melting pot. Well, But I think that that melting pot idea, the idea of all these legends kind of amalgamating uh, amongst each other, is, is kind of the idea of the spirit of Christmas, that it should be that way. We shouldn't hold on to the individual identity of what is ours. And it should be a chance for us to all share and experience and be communal as one, as one species, as one people. The Christmas chimera? Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, That works. That's a good one. But it's it's the archetype. You know, when you get right back down to um, sort of the basics of things, um, one of the things that you can see, you see it in religion, you see it in other, in folklore, you see it in a bunch of things, is that after a while you you get back to that universal, um, which, you know, the word I tend to use is the archetype because it's like it's it's that, that core um, that's the truth, the hitchhiker story. There's so many variations on it, you know, and, and so many stories that are like it that have been adapted from people who've had experiences that are similar. Um, yeah, but it's all about the person who has died trying to get back home, you know. But Christmas is the same kind of thing. It is about light coming into a dark world, you know. Um, and it's the same. I mean, it's interesting that the Hanukkah miracle was all about light, 
and 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 Christ was called the light of the world, and it's a solstice is about let's invite light to come back because we're hitting the darkest part of our season and we need the light. So so it's all dovetails into that light coming back in the world. It's that archetype, and um, you know. So is it the melting pot or is it all kinds of people trying to express that universal? Um, light coming into the world from their their unique viewpoint. I think that's kind of important, actually, because you know, forgive me for going a little bit into the philosophy of things. No, that's that's great. When, we love it. When when you think about you know um, the concept of God, whether you believe it or not, you know, many many people do. I happen to be one of them. Um, God is a huge concept that that humans really can't comprehend, and. When you're looking at God as, as you know, um, that aspect of him that is this light of the world, um, you know, to, to come at it from one viewpoint um, is to not be able to comprehend the, the hugeness, the, the hugeness of this being that we call God. Um, whereas, you know, you have millions of people who are believing in God and looking at him from their unique viewpoint, suddenly you have all of these mirrors showing you a slightly different aspect of the light of the world. And, you and, know, and every gift... To, yeah, in every culture. Every gift that we give each other, every every hug, every, you know, smile, is all just furthering that light from one person to another. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that, that's that light, that's that fountain of joy, that's that core at the base of things. I really think that that's, that is what will bring true peace on Earth. That's what transforms but, you know, everybody has to contribute to that transformation. And you're right. It's not, it is that cliche about Christmas every day. Maybe it's not so much Christmas as, as reminding yourself that, you know, am I, am I here to promote more of the light, more of the joy, more of peace each day, or making the choice to be in that direction or to go in another direction? You know, and in some ways, you know, folks who seem to linger, the ones who are unhappy um, and linger as ghosts, you wonder if that you know it's the trauma of the situation or the fact that they can't they can't let go of something that was so horrific to them that they can't turn and and move towards the light you know um we've we're i I don't claim to be a medium but i'm a you know we have psychic abilities in my family and more the i think last may i encountered one of those situations where we walked into a house that was totally haunted and the woman who was there couldn't couldn't let go of her anger and her pain and she was there because she couldn't let it go um and that's why she was haunting that house and um she lost her she was a nun who lost her faith in god and couldn't let go of the anger for whatever had caused that situation to um to be able to release even when invited would not be able to couldn't do it couldn't do it you know uh, just getting her to even consider it even a little bit was a big step in the right direction there. Um, and and I think, you know, that's that's sort of like, I don't know, in my experience has been that a lot of times with ghosts, you have people who are there to help them heal um, because they need to heal too. That's the whole going into the light concept is that they need to be healed and that, you know, maybe they can't get there the very first time that they encounter someone who is a healer, but maybe they can be um, moved slightly in that direction, and I think that every time we celebrate Christmas um, or Hanukkah or one of these wonderful festivals, 
that maybe all of us are being slightly nudged in that direction. Just like, you know, some some people can immediately go into this, these ghost situations and get them to go into the light and release their pain and be able to move on. But a lot of times it's it's a step-by-step process. It's a slight nudge here and there, both for those who are, you know, not in the physical realm anymore but are tied here because of pain or something else, and for those of us who are still here. Well, there's a big push in recent years, and, and, and we see it all the time on, on social media, where everybody's like, you know, we have to put the Christ back in Christmas. And, and I think that people get too wrapped up in... Uh, you know the the figure of uh, and and what he represents as opposed to the actual message of it. And I think if we can keep thinking the same way that you're talking about, then that would be ultimately what Jesus would have wanted. Uh, or if you don't believe in in that, and that's not your your cup of tea, it's you know it's what Santa Claus wants. It's what everything that's behind the Christmas season is about is about having that feeling within you and, and sharing it with one another. So I, I don't think that Christ has left Christmas at all. I think that it's just us as people uh, turning Christmas into something that it was never intended to be, being this... And I don't, I don't want to be like Linus here and talk about the commercialization of Christmas, but it, it, it kind of has become that way. Now I need my blanket. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it has. But I think as long as there are folks like you... Like me, like, um, you know, people out there who say put the Christ back in Christmas, it's cliche. It's not quite what we're talking about here. But as long as there are people who are keeping their eye on that, I think we won't stray too far. You know, the, the commercial stuff that happens in Christmas doesn't feel the same. It doesn't have that miracle feel to it that makes Christmas really real. You know, that stuff becomes hollow. And I think as long as, as it does have that hollowness to it that um, we'll be able to keep Christ in Christmas we'll keep the light in Christmas because people will get tired of the hollow feeling that's not the feeling that transforms I had mentioned uh, earlier in the show, you know, the idea of Elf on the Shelf being a relatively new story that we tell kids and and a new tradition for a lot of families There, there seems to be with Christmas though, there's always that room for more legends and mythologies to develop around the holidays. It seems like we're willing to take those on, whereas, you know, other holidays, other, other observances, we might not be so willing to. But with Christmas, we're always looking for another, another great Christmas story to share with each other. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And being a storyteller and a writer, <laughs> right. I always think about, you know, what, is there anything I can contribute to, to this, uh, you know, to, to this, um, lore? Um, that is unique, or even if it's not unique, that's just my voice saying, I, I want to have something to say around this. So I totally get that. Um, I think one of the reasons why I've been collecting some of these Christmas stories and putting them up on the site, um, not just because they're great folk tales, but also because, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm adding my voice to the collection, you know. So I've got, I've got another one that, that, um, kind of follows these themes. It was, comes from New York. It's a New York story. Um, again, one of the older ones. It was back in Albany, back in, I'd say at this point, the English are here, the British are here, but it's not um, 
pre-revolutionary war. And so, um, again, it comes from the Dutch tradition, and they had a baker there who was pretty successful, and he had um, done all of his St. Nicholas cookies and had them out there, and a woman comes into his shop, and, and, she, and he, she asks for a dozen cookies, so he gives her a dozen cookies. And he's very thrifty, so he gives her exactly 12, and she's like, no, I want a dozen. And he's like, oh, she's one of those ones who wants the baker's dozen, that extra cookie, you know? <laughs> and he's like, nope, sorry, a dozen is 12. And she's like, I want a dozen. He's like, take it or leave it. So she walks out. And from that moment on, he starts having the worst luck in the world. And she comes back two more times, and every time she asks him for a real dozen, the baker's dozen, 13, he won't give it to her. And and his baking is going so bad now, either the bread doesn't rise or it rises too much, and it becomes like one big tough ball. You know, things are soggy or they're too burnt, and he's losing customers. And so he finally goes to Mass, and he prays to St. Nicholas and says, St. Nicholas, I need help. <laughs> I really need your help here. Please tell me what to do. This woman has cursed me. She must be a witch. We're in dire straits here. So he goes back. He's, his shop is completely empty. He's sitting there with his head in his hands, and suddenly St. Nicholas is right there in front of him. And, I mean, this isn't the, you know, jolly Santa Claus. It was St. Nicholas and his fisher's biter, you know, as he would have looked back in the, in the 6th century. Um, real deal. And he says to this guy, he said, you know, I spent my whole life giving money to those in need. I helped the sick. I helped the suffering. I cared for little children, just like our Lord taught us. Um, God, in his mercy, has been generous to us, and we need to be generous to other people. And the, and he he just he can't even look at the saint. He puts his head in his hand, and he said, Is an extra cookie such a terrible price to pay for the generosity God has shown to us? He asked the guy. And the guy is like, Oh, my gosh. I totally, I totally missed it. I totally missed that that was what it was really about. Um, and the state was gone and, and right after that the bell jingles and the old woman is back. And he walks right over and he has made a batch of cookies and it's the first batch of cookies that's been good since he started the war with the old crone. And he just takes out 13 cookies and gives her 13 cookies. And she said, alright, the spell is broken from this time onward for you a dozen is 13 and uh so at least in that big shop and many others in the area um for years centuries you still can get a baker's dozen here and there um a baker's dozen has been 13 in honor of the generosity of of god to us and saint nicholas to the poor so i that's one another one of my favorite stories. And it, and it gives on the website. it certainly gives meaning to it too. Like, you know, working in the food industry for a long time, I, I always assumed that the baker's dozen was called that because you know one for the baker, make sure that everything came out all right. Uh, but I've heard that too. So hearing the hearing this version of it, I was like, wow. I know I like your yeah. version so much better. Yeah, it's so much nicer. Yeah. Makes you less gluttonous. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like it's not about me shoving that thirteenth cookie in my face. <laughs> it's about something so much more than that. Well, uh, when you hear these stories like this, and and when when people keep sharing them, you know, it shows that we want to be a better a, a, a better people. We want to be better, uh, but that you know, we understand that we're sometimes 
wrapped up in some of the the day to day stuff of of just being human. And obviously, that that baker was one of those people. You know, he's wrapped up in just the everyday life of of having to support his family and having to to live within his means and having to provide. And and we don't always realize that uh, some of the little sacrifices that we can make can make somebody else's life so much better and that that you know they always say whatever you put out there it'll come back to you you know whatever how many folds stephanie you you know better than i do do i is it twofold or fivefold or tenfold Three. whatever threefold okay i'm gonna say three well I'll some pick people say ten it's personal preference i guess yeah so far it hasn't really worked so much for me but you know that but that's the idea behind it is that if we put out more good vibes and more good vibes will come back to us and i'm sure a lot of the stories that you've collected over the years not just christmas related but a lot of them probably have that same type of a theme yeah that's that pay it forward theme yeah i i've always called it pay it forward and you try and live that way you know because that's that's really what it is you know you can't it's like it's like trying to pay back your parents you ever think about that? You can't. There's no possible way you can ever pay back your parents. So what you do is you take what your parents sacrificed and gave you, and you pay it to your children. And you ask, or you know, or if you don't have your own children, you pay it back to the community, or your church, or your synagogue, or wherever you're, you know, whatever community you're living in, that you have to pay it forward. And I think that's that's kind of a concept that comes out in folk tales a lot. You know, is that that what who you are and what you are, you know, needs to needs will show itself. Number one, and that you know the ones who are blessed are the ones who pay it forward. And I think everybody should take these these lessons away. I mean, we have a lot of that going on today where, you know, you'll see uh, it happens like in the drive through line where somebody will pay for the food of the person behind them and expect them to pay it for, you know, and everybody keeps doing that. And it, it's a way to kind of keep that, that theory and that concept going. Uh, and some people, it just aggravates them. It aggravates me. I just want to pay for my own <laughs> stuff and move on. But... I understand the sentiment behind it. And that's what a lot of these stories that we share, a lot of the, the folklore that we still share, which you can read about on AmericanFolklore.net. But we share these tales because we want to keep remembering those lessons. We want to keep remembering uh, the concepts behind them. It's, it, the story may change uh, in the way that it's told over the years, but the central theme always stays the same. Yeah. Yep. And that's their power. It's one of the reasons why you know people read the same books over and over again. Or watch or have a favorite movie that they just always want to watch over and over again. You know, those, there's something about those themes. They're, they're those universals, those archetypes that, you know, they cross all of the cultures. I, I think one of my favorite things is um, that when you meet, like, a healer or somebody like the Dalai Lama, you know, um, what you see in him will be the same kind of thing that you will see in, you know, the Pope or someone in a completely different religion, but who is, you know, in their hearts trying to be closer and closer to the core of things. Um, right. And they all start to look alike. They Compassion follow totally different traditions, but they all start to look alike because they're all looking at the same central archetype, the same central God figure. Um, and that really makes them into something amazing. Um, but it's not. It doesn't just have to be them. It could be any of us because the same central God figure, or you know, um, universal figure, whoever whoever you choose to be looking at, when you're looking at the core, whatever name you give him, her, it, that central figure, you all start to resemble him. It's like you have, you, you always start to share the same jokes with the people that mm-hmm. you hang out with all the time. Well, when you start hanging out with that person, you start to look like him. 
well, and, and that's, uh, it crosses everything. And crosses that's what makes us, makes us all connected. Whether It doesn't yeah. matter what, what name you put on it, as you said. It's still the same thing that runs uh, amongst us all. Well, we want to thank you, Sandy, for joining us. Our guest, S.E. Schlosser, Sandy. And uh, she is the author of the Spooky Series. And you can check out her website, AmericanFolklore.net. And uh, what, what are some of the projects that you're working on? We've got about a, a minute or two here. Let's let you talk to people about some of the things that you have coming down the pipeline. Well, I just finished more spooky campfire tales, so nice. that's the that's the sequel, first sequel I've done, um, and that one has just come out, and um, it's it's spookier and scarier. <laughs> A couple of true stories in there from from my family tradition and from and some of my own personal experiences are in there as well. So that one is the one that we just put up under wraps, and and is the latest thing you can get off the the website right now. So, um, and I've been traveling a lot in the Southwest. So, um, Grand Canyon folklore, Grand Canyon, um, ghost stories. There's so much stuff in Arizona. So, um, be looking for some stuff like that coming out on the website pretty quickly. And then I'm also, and it's not spooky, but I'm also trying to, um, build out the tall tales section, which is, I haven't had a chance to do in, in the last few years. And so, um, tall tales and myths and legends, I'm building that out right now. Excellent. Well, stay tuned, everybody, to AmericanFolklore.net for all the great stories. So many there now to already read. And, and let's keep sharing these tales and let's keep sharing the themes behind them. Thank you so much, Sandy, for joining us. And you have a great holiday. Thank you. You guys as well. Take care. You too. That is uh, S.E. Schlosser. You can check out all of her work on AmericanFolklore.net. We are going to take a break for the news right now. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about a number of topics. I want to get the crew's thoughts on some Christmas traditions and tradition legends uh, as well. Maybe we all have some things that we do differently. Maybe we have some things that we do the same. We'll talk about that coming up in the next hour. We'll also get a little bit weird with the week and weird, and we'll take your phone calls, 508 996 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in at any time during the program. And remember, you can also tweet about it on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. And that's all amalgamated right there on uh, SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com as well. So stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the program coming up after the news. It's Spooky South Coast here on the new 1420 WBSM. We know that it works. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. All I want for Christmas is for the board to light up correctly. Actually, all <laughs> we want for Christmas is better internet. How are we doing on the uh, Spooky TV broadcast tonight, Matt? Everything seems to be running fairly smooth. Really? Yeah. See? That's what happens. You, 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 make, you make a few complaints, <laughs> and things things happen. Yeah, so just there we ask, go. ask for a Christmas present, and you get it. So what's the lesson here? Instead of just coming in here and complaining every week, we should have told somebody. I guess so, yeah. Right. But now that we have better internet, we have Spooky TV for you at SpookySouthCoast.com, so you can watch what's going on in the studio. You can see us all huddled here trying to stay warm. It's a little it cold. Is, it a little is cold, cold in, here. in here. I wore long sleeves. That's how I cold know. it was. <laughs> we got internet, but they had to turn down the heat. <laughs> it was one or the other. <laughs> it's, like, 
It's like, if you guys want to get on the internet, you're going to have to freeze, but I, we can make it happen. I have four shirts on. Four shirts? Yes. That's. I don't even know if I own four shirts. I just had to think about that. I have, yeah, and two of those is a North Face fleece and a thick sweatshirt, and I'm still cold. That's crazy. You should North you, Face. You need to look into more iron North in your diet. North Face and Uggs. Where's, I where's you were your pumpkin them. latte? <laughs> he just called you every white girl. He did. I don't even like pumpkin. Uh, well, See? I think you have to. I was going to get a hot chocolate, but I figured you'd get on me for that, so no, I didn't I get one. Drink it, actually. Uh, Matt, i got to ask you, and then since you <laughs> consider her to be the stereotypical white girl right now, uh, <laughs> why, does, why does Stephanie like all the topics that are so odd? Um, I don't know. Because she can't even. Huh? <laughs> that, that, that. Thanks. Wow. Uh, I think we have a call on the line, and you can call in 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. We will get a little bit weird, a little bit odd ourselves later on this hour, and uh, we're also going to talk about some of our Christmas memories, too. I wanna, we we wanna can't get odd there. if I can't even, so. Right. That's true. Let's take this call and uh, see who's on the air. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good, Tim. Good evening, guys. Um, happy holidays. To you as well. Been laying here listening to you guys. Last night, a friend of mine, he's Mopanoag Indian. He's the oldest in his family living. And a few years ago, he used to tell me some of their legends. And when I went to his house last night, he's got a book. And it's got like 250 legends from our area. Wow. And the one that I focused on was the UFOs, multiple UFOs in 1908 over mm-hmm. Nantucket. And one is connected to a family, which is was in New Bedford and Nantucket, the Rodmans. And uh, when I get done read in a little while, if you want me to read it, I'll stop by the station and leave it for you. That would be fantastic. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's got, it's got the, like the Bridgewater Triangle. It's got Profile Rock, but it's also... It's got Fort Standish, but for some reason I went through the index. It doesn't have Fort Table or Fort Rodman, which mm. I kind of thought was weird because it's one of the biggest ones around here. But um, a lot of those stories though have been more modern. You know, they've been in the last five, ten years. The stories that I've heard from there. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I don't know how that plays into things at all. But uh, one of the one of the things that. Uh, I find particularly interesting about some of those legends that you're talking about is that, you know you're talking about things that you don't really hear anywhere else and, and things that you know mentioning that your friend is Wampanoag they don't talk about it they won't talk about it with us I've tried to get elders from the tribe to come on and talk about it with us and they won't mm, yeah um, back in I, a few times ago I called in I, I forgot back in 1975 I was at the KOA campground in Mirabeau yep and I was a teenager and some of the older people and one of the local people who used to come and hang out with us by the fire told us about Barney the Bogman from Middleborough, South Carver. How so long ago was this? Camp KOA? 75, and he said it took place in the late 60s in the Carver, Middleborough area. And he was an immigrant who used to came for three or four years. And the first year, some of his relatives came to work the bogs. Um, they were harassed, and one of his um, relatives was injured and died from the injuries. And they left the area. And then for years after that, I guess in 71 and 72, that 
he would return and terrorize people. So I heard that in 1975. In 1978, I was down at Bourne by the Canal Park, and I heard people talking about the same story. And two nights ago, I heard a guy who was 80 years old from East Taunton telling me the same story. Detail for detail. Well, I think... It's uh, never, ever changed. Usually, like, something gets dropped or added. And I was like... When I was a kid, I was, like, of course, kind of, like, confused. But as I've gotten older, to hear the same story, but all the details the same way... Wow. (laughs) I used to love camping down at Cabo, Plymouth, all that stuff. Miles Standish, and basically... and, And the legend is that just before harvest time, he would come and try to scare away any visitors and let the harvesters harvest. And so basically they wanted to be alone. And the last story that's connected to him was about 1979. I find it it interesting because I used to, my parents used to have a uh, seasonal campground at the KOA, and that story was still related around the campfires even in the early 80s. Yeah, so, so so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It was Barney. It was very yeah. specific. Barney the Bogman. Yep. And the, the families who live in Carver and Middleburg and all that, they know about it. And some, some families say they had met him, and he was very peaceful and kind. He just didn't want visitors because it was visitors who attacked his family. And so it's, like, really wild. And it's just so sometimes, like you say, things get taken away. But when you hear the same story over three generations... And every word is almost the same. Woof. Even just telling you about it, it gets sitting on my neck going. But um, you guys have a w- wonderful holiday. And, uh, Tim, when I get that book and I go through it, I'll leave it at the station. Thank you, so, thank you so okay. much. Bye-bye, brother. Bye-bye. All right. Happy holidays to you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Well, like I said, we, we, we were told it as kids in the... Um, campground and we just took it as a a tale to basically stay off the bogs that are around the property right yeah a lot of those tales have a have a a morality lesson to them yeah uh but we it's not uncommon though to see these uh, as we were talking about with sandy these archetypal stories that travel but to have the details be exactly the same usually when details tend to not waver too much, there's got to be some kind of an element of truth behind it, which makes it pretty interesting. All stories and legends usually derive off of some bit of truth. Right. They have to have something to make, Mm -hmm. or else they wouldn't connect with people. Right. And uh, I'm sure that there's still people today telling the stories, and there'll be people 50 years from now telling the stories. Uh, And and everybody will take it and make it their own to some degree, but to have that much of it stay the same is Mm -hmm. just amazing. So and also, you guys missed out on a call last week, Moniz and Stephanie. Uh, we, Matt and I, we got a call from a listener who works at a, a location in New Bedford where they want us to come and investigate because there's some activity going on. And in this area where the activity is happening, it's a, it's they're storing a bunch of old movie props. Hmm. So. I, of course, Stephanie, you being able to go in there and pick up on some of the energies that might be associated with those, I'm just picturing you know what kind of goofy photos we can put up on Instagram and, and Twitter and all that. And, and everybody can follow us, by the way, on Twitter and Instagram and all that right. stuff. So, uh, of course, at SpookySC is the Twitter account for the entire show, but we all have our own individual Twitter. And I say all because we all do now. We're working on some technical difficulties uh, with Moniz. But, uh, Stephanie, you can give out your Twitter. 
Oh, God. I think my Twitter is sburk 910 Yes. Uh, Moni. Uh, I tried to Moni's. change it. Costa, yours? Uh, mine is at SmokingMonkeys with two E's and a Z. Yeah, so smoking, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z, because he didn't want to get sued by the band. Yep. Uh, and Moni's, yours? Do you remember? No. Uh, Matt Moni's SSC. Right. At Matt Moni's SSC. And of course, I'm at Tim Weisberg. So you can follow all of us each individually. Uh, that'd be a great gift for us for Christmas for you to, to tweet back and forth with us. Let us know that you're listening, where you listen from. Uh, that's we, we always put that call out every year. We're coming upon our ninth anniversary coming up next month. And we always like to hear from everybody that listens to the show. You may be eating more artery clogging trans fat than you not, think. You know, you would think that, but not as much as, <laughs> you know, because I, I got a sub, but it's sitting behind me i have not had a chance we had our big meeting before the show and uh, i didn't get a chance to eat my dinner and i i got uh sweet onion sauce on it so it's probably oh, like a big best. soggy mess right now it was toasted with sweet onion sauce so we'll see what happens What's the rest of it besides sweet onion sauce uh well why are you look you're giving me that look like you want me to share <laughs> I, no. I got the cold cut combo because it's only four dollars oh, for a foot long right now i was being frugal well as long Gin- as you got sweet I, onion sauce I have gingerbread cookies gingerbread cookies and speaking of cookies want to say thank you to chris thank you for our festivist gift thank you so much we were very happy to find that when we came in and also thank you to deb who's been listening to uh matt you saw me i was wearing a leather vest last week yep so and it's uh you're looking very dapper i got it sitting at home now she was uh she sent uh leather vests for myself and phil and taylor and everybody so it was uh it was very very nice Christmas here already, or Festivus, in the case of Chris' gifts, because she sends us Festivus gifts. Uh, so, But we will uh, enjoy them all, and we thank you all so much for them. One of the... Uh one of the aspects that we've been talking about here in the show and, and going forward is trying to be a little bit more interactive with you, the listener. But in order for us to do that, we need you to be more interactive with us. And I was saying, we always put the call out this time of year for people to let us know where they listen from, and I want to know what country you're in. I want to know if you listen via podcast. I want to know if you listen live, whether it be through the Spooky TV uh, functionality there on SpookySouthCoast.com. I just I just call it, what's functionality? Why do they come up with that? The Spooky South Co- <laughs> Spooky TV option on SpookySouthCoast.com. Or if you listen via the Radio Pup app, if you use the Ustream app, maybe you listen directly on WBSM.com. Maybe it's only by podcast. Uh, but we want to know how you listen and where you listen from. So just shoot us an email, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, or you can tweet it to us, at spookysc. Uh, that's another way to do it. And one of the cool parts about it, you know, being more interactive on social media, is we can see them as they're happening. So tweet us with spookylive, hashtag spookylive, anytime during the show, and we'll be able to see them pop up uh, both in the... Uh, you know, in the Twitter feeds of our own Twitter accounts and also on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. We have a little box right there that, you know, grabs them all and, and puts them all there. So, and if you want to call us too, that's always welcome. 508 996 0500 877 996 1420. And we have a call on the line, so let's go to that. And good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hi, I was the guy that called about that factory. Yes, yes. Did you hear anything more about it? Uh, no, actually, I haven't asked because I just, I just heard you say about putting goofy photos up. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I was being I facetious. Know, you know, I took you people seriously. No, we are serious. I'm just being facetious. I was using that as an opportunity to plug our social media accounts. Okay. We would, no, we would actually, never, we would never be disrespectful like that. 
I've been sick, actually, so I haven't been going in. Oh, sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully... Uh, oh, it, was, it was just the way I caught it. I was like, put up goofy photos. No, no, no. <laughs> That's the thing is you can take us seriously as investigators, but you really can't take us too seriously when we're on the radio because we try to have fun with the topic. Because our theory is if we take it too seriously, we're going to come across sounding crazy. And if we don't take it seriously enough, we're going to come across as just joking around. So we try to keep a balance. It's strictly you people that I want to come in, nobody else. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate that faith in us, and, and we will make sure that we, we don't do anything to, to make you sorry for it. Are you going to come in with us? Uh, well, I'm also either me or the owner. Definitely. We definitely would want somebody to be there, and, and especially somebody who can tell us about some of the reports that have been going on, too. Yeah, because a lot of times I'm up on that floor by myself. That's well, where my workshop is. Well, when you feel better and when things are going better for you health-wise, you just uh, find out a little more information, and you can let us know here at the station. Like uh, I said, <coughs> excuse me, I'll, uh, I'll call into the station. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you, and happy holidays. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 are the numbers if you would like to call in and discuss anything with us. Uh, we were talking, of course, in the first hour with our guest, S.E. Schlosser, about Christmas legends. And we all have our own traditions that we follow for Christmas. And I just want to ask you guys if you had in your family growing up or maybe now, if there was any kind of tradition that you had that other people might think is a little bit different or a little bit out there. Stephanie, anything in, in your family that, you know, other families would look at that and say, like, really? You do that for Christmas? I don't think so. I did the traditional, you know, go to church on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. go to the grandparents' house, family kind of sit around, things like that. But I'm trying to think. I don't I don't think there's anything weird. I mean, we had an annual Christmas party. That was normal. Mm-hmm. Matt, you don't do anything conventional anyway. No. <laughs> so, but was there any so traditions that you the, had? The only thing we ever really did was we we got to open the one gift before Christmas on Christmas Eve. You got See, to now open, that's like, that's you weird to, to me. The, the, you could you, we could got like a small gift to tide us over, mm-hmm. um, so we could go to bed and not just think about it all night. But uh, the tradition I had, I was actually wondering about, is I don't know if maybe you guys have done this before or. Um, but I only really heard of it, like, I don't know, like five or six years ago, maybe, uh, is the, the pickle in the tree thing. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a know? German tradition. I yeah. always thought that it was the weirdest ornament when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I used to see it, I think, uh, in the stores and stuff, and people put the pickle on the tree. Like a legit pickle, or is it like a, like a fake pickle? I don't know if it was like a pickle originally. Do you guys? Because, I mean, it's going to last. It's already pickled, right? Uh, I, I remember. Have you seen you, I, I know vaguely of it, but nothing in depth. I don't know. I, I I haven't really done too much research into it, but apparently, like if on Christmas Day the, the kids try to find the pickle on the tree, and whoever finds the pickle, it's uh, you, you get like a special gift or like some sort of 
bonus gift. Well, this is uh, from our so good friend, know. our good friends Wikipedia. Yes. Who, by the way, would like you to donate uh, to them right now? Uh, the Christmas pickle is a Christmas tradition in the United States. A decoration in the shape of a pickle is hidden on a Christmas tree, with the finder receiving either a reward or good fortune for the following year. There are a number of different origin stories attributed to the tradition, but it was primarily thought to have originated in Germany, as Stephanie said. This has been disproved and is now thought to be an American tradition from the late 19th century. Hmm. So. But that's Wikipedia. Yeah, and I've also I've I've never heard of that before for something that's been around for so long. There's even a pickle parade that happens in <laughs> Berrien Springs, Michigan, pickle the parade. Christmas pickle capital of the world. I'll leave that one alone. They have a festival yeah. of Christmas pickles. <laughs> when I was a kid, if anybody said, "Hey, I got a Christmas pickle for you," my parents would say, "Don't go see that <laughs> uncle. Do not, <laughs> do not sit on that Santa's lap." Yes, exactly. <laughs> but no, I never heard of that. It's pretty uh, pretty interesting. How about you, Moniz? Any any weird traditions in your family? Uh, like Costa, you know, the one gift on Christmas Eve, I think that's pretty standard and traditional yeah, with a lot of families. No, that's weird to us. We weren't allowed. Well, I mean, my grandparents would come over on, or we'd go to their house on Christmas Eve and we would exchange gifts with them on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And now I do that with my own parents. That's the night that we share with them. But, you know, we, it was never like, you know, the stuff that was under the tree from Santa Claus, you didn't touch that. You, well, you never saw it until Christmas morning. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and, and even the mom and dad gifts, which, you know, were all the clothes, we didn't see those till Christmas morning either. So, I don't know. I don't think I, we, I don't think we had any weird traditions. Does waiting for resupply from the mothership count? <laughs> no, that's every day that's for you. totally normal. On Tuesdays especially. But the, uh, the... I like that. I like that thirty odd minutes <laughs> reference there. I mean, I guess like we had like certain foods that we had to have like on Christmas Eve when my grandparents came over. You know, my part of my grandfather's Christmas present was my parents would go out and get a a whole bunch of cocktail shrimp, and he would just sit there and eat shrimp cocktail for like three hours. <laughs> oh. And then, and then he always had to have chocolate covered cherries. That was like one of his gifts that he got every Mine year. Mine too. Yep. And and uh, we would always have uh, you know the sugared dates. You know, they take. Yep. Take the dates, roll them in sugar. That was like another thing that we always had. So it was kind of like a food thing for us more than anything else. I mean, and also, we celebrated Hanukkah with my dad's parents. And that was we would go over and because, you know, we would only be there for one night out of the eight, we would light all eight candles, which was probably wrong. But that's how we observed it. And, you know, we, we would get our eight gifts from my grandparents. Just That was pretty much our lives. Maybe you had a weird tradition out there. 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. I do have a weird one. You and do? I just remembered this till now. I was texting my mother to ask her. If you, you know, had any weird traditions? What was it? Because she, she was saying, I, we used to bake a cake for baby Jesus, but I don't know if you remember that. And <laughs> I said, what about the shoes? I remembered the shoes. It's St. Nicholas Day. Have you heard of that? I went to Catholic school, so it's probably normal. But um, on the night of December 5th, you put your shoes outside the door, and you would wake up on December 6th with a gift in your shoe. Um, From the going the whole Bill Snickle legend. So we, I, I remember doing that when I was younger. And it would be, you know, like dollar bills or like, like little pieces of candy, things like that. But um, I never thought that was weird until... Now I was just used to doing it. It's too late to put your Uggs by the door tonight. So. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's way past the date, but yeah, yeah, but Saint Nick's Day. That's I used to do that. Um, I'm sure I could come up with a million weird things that I did. Well, baking a cake for for baby Jesus is different. I've never heard that. Well, 
I remember doing that, but I went to Catholic school. So is that something that other people in the Catholic yeah, school probably. did too? Well, yeah. because everything is not anything to do with Santa Claus. It's all about the actual, you know, meaning of Christmas. Right. So. Well, I mean, I had one tradition that I did for a few years when my son was little, but, you know, any kids that are listening, you know, turn down your radio right now. You never know with podcasts when the kids are listening, but. I would write a letter to him from Santa thanking him for putting out the snacks. And, you know, I always had to eat. I'd be coming home from my parents' house stuffed. And I, I, I gotta, used to write a letter, too. I got to choke down like three three cookies, you know, and drink this milk. But whatever. Uh, I was fine except till I had to eat the Rudolph carrot. That I would I didn't want any oh, part see, of. Oh, see, I put out nine carrots. <laughs> Full-size carrots. You, you say I put out like you still do. Oh, I did. I haven't done that in years. Okay. Well, you'll start in a few years the, doing the it again. But. selection of cookies, milk, and enough carrots and celery for all the reindeer. And your dad had to eat all of that <laughs> and was so angry that he had to. <laughs> Damn traditions. But like I hate carrots. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want Rudolph to go blind. So the... Uh, but I would write, you know, he would write his letter to Santa, and so I would write a letter mm-hmm. back thanking him for the That's milk and awesome. cookies. And I, I, the first year I did it, I did it with red and green crayon, and mm-hmm. I alternated letter to letter. And then I kind of cursed myself for doing that every year after. Like, why mm-hmm. did I do this? I had to still do it, and I like printed out stationery from the desk of Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff. So That's cool. And and what's funny is, you know, I, maybe it's because I was a, a, a just a jerk of a kid, but I didn't really believe in Santa Claus for a lot of the time that I was growing up. I think uh, I think I probably ruined it for myself when I was like four or five, and so I never really bought into it. So it was amazing to me, like when my son, until he was nine, still believed in Santa Claus. Hmm. You know, when when did you stop believing, Stephanie? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Stop really believing in what? Officially, stop believing. Um, but the the theory I've always had is, I mean, do I believe that? A man comes down my chimney. Okay. No. Let me rephrase that then, because I think we all like to believe in Santa Claus. But when did you start to realize that it wasn't him putting gifts under your tree? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. But believing in something that's not actually there is kind of my line of work. So, that's true. <laughs> um, do I believe in the magic of the season? Absolutely, I do. Um, there have been a lot of weird things. I was going to bring this up as a topic too. Is um, I know we've discussed it on the show a bunch of times before, but when a legend actually comes to life, when or you know, urban legends, the same thing. When you start hearing things or seeing things that you know may or may not be there, do we create them with our own mind or do we? Is it really there? The Tulpa effect. Right. So I have definitely had some weird experiences where I can't necessarily say there isn't something that happens on Christmas Eve. But what is it? And if if you, if, along the same lines, you know, if you Google uh, Jeff Belanger's piece, Santa Claus is a legend, not a lie, mm-hmm. it's along the same lines. And, and, and you can kind of get his take on that. And I would I would read it here on the air, but I don't want to do it's so without long. his permission. Yeah, And I, don't, I, I right. wouldn't want to do it. Uh, but well, bear in mind, Saint Nicholas was a real person, and right. he did do this. So, is, so right. it is he's based not, off of an actual legend. Yeah, it, it, he does or did really exist. Mm-hmm. It's just the legend that is now lived on and what right. it's become. And as a kid too, um, you guys remember Anne and Hope. Oh yeah. Um, we used to go. That was a tradition, a huge tradition in my family. Um, the day after Thanksgiving, you know, Black Friday, we would watch Santa arrive in the fire truck at Ann and Hope. 
that Santa Claus, there was a big article, you might probably remember in the Standard Times about him. Um, he must have been the most psychic person in the world because he would call people out by their names and tell them what they asked for as children. Wow. And it freaked out a lot of people, including my mother. My mother couldn't believe it that, you know, and it, people that she knew, and it just, the stories went on and on from there on. Like, how did this guy know? How does he know? That kind of didn't help my whole Santa doesn't exist thing. So, um, I know that they wrote about him in the Standard Times years ago. Well, there are people out there who are, you know, they, they embody what Santa Claus means. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we were talking about, you know, Compassion having the same face as Moni said, and there are people who are out there who act like Santa Claus and look like Santa Claus, and there's yeah. a reason why they go hand in hand. I mean, I think of somebody like Reverend Russ yep. with Mercy Meals and more. You know, he is a true life Santa Claus, and, right. and he looks the part. And so, I think that that is something that happens with a lot of folks. Uh, they they become the embodiment of what they're trying to represent, whether it's consciously right. or subconsciously. But it's interesting that you say you know that you, you never really stop believing, but at some point you realize like you know. There weren't a bunch of elves in the North Pole that were making you mall madness. Right. You know, which I don't know if you had mall madness. But believing was in probably the, a little bit early before uh, the things. I mean, girl talk. it really is girl talk. <laughs> um, believing in, I guess, the paranormal of you know different holidays and things like that. Why not? Why can't there be something strange that happens? Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily big old fat guy coming down your chimney. Well, I think for sure. I mean, if we can create ghosts with our minds, as Absolutely. I as I push as a theory, we've cre- certainly created Santa Claus. Because uh, people will hear sleigh bells. People will see lights. Right. You know, and, and God help any UFOs that are out there on Christmas Eve because they picked the wrong night to start flying around our skies. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, you know, people have these sightings. Or the right night. Uh, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> normally, uh, <laughs> who's coming down the chimney? Oh, it's just a gray. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They're coming Not to leave us a present? House. No, they're coming to take you away. No, don't look at me. How, how about what? you? What did I say? I didn't say nothing. You didn't say anything? How, how about you, Silent Assassin? When, when did that? you stop? Uh, when did you realize that it wasn't Santa Claus that was putting those gifts under your tree? I don't know when the what the exact age was, but I remember finding some gifts that were already wrapped that said Santa, and then I asked about them, and then that led to a bunch of uh, other questions like, well, why did he drop the gifts off early? Why? <laughs> we don't, then I was like, well, we don't have a fireplace. How does he get in? And then it was snowballed from there. Then it turned I into, guess. and why, when a man loves a woman, why? does he and put then, his penis? And no. everything was like, <laughs> the answer was, well, it's because it's magic. Right. Magic, magic covers magic, a lot. It does. It does. But then after a while, it's like, <laughs> well, David Copperfield isn't real. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really believe in anything to do with David Blaine. Right. Or uh, what's the other guy so, there? Chris Angel. Nope. What about the amazing Randy? <laughs> he's he's not so amazing. How about you, Moniz? When did you realize that uh, you know Santa Claus was not coming down your chimney? What do you mean? I hang out with him every winter. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, you realize, like you know, the and and, and as parents, and and Moniz and I, we kind of know this, and, and Stephanie, you'll realize it eventually mm-hmm. someday. But as parents, there's eventually a point where you want to stop giving some fat guy in a red suit all the credit for the cool gifts. Yeah, you know, like I worked my ass off to buy you that computer. I've seen that a lot on social media this season. A lot of people complaining yeah, about Santa getting all the, the credit. G- yeah, they want the credit. And we do that, though. Parents do that now, where they will say, you know, all these toys are from Santa Claus, but mm-hmm. this big gift that we got you, this is from your mother and I. See, I always, <laughs> you- I had my gifts from my parents. I had my gifts from, we used to call it the Jerry Street Santa. It was my 
my grandparents. But I knew that was my grandparents' gifts. And then we had different gifts that were from Santa. I... My mother would not put out any gifts until Christmas morning, though, because she used to leave them out when I was younger. And, and you were a peeker? No. I would walk over to them. It's actually on, like, oh, on VHS. Then. I would grab the gift and say, oh, Mama, thank you so much for this. And I'd tell her exactly what was in each and every box. And you can hear her on the tape going, Oh, look, Stephen. She knows what this one is, too. <laughs> um so my gifts weren't allowed to be under the tree anymore, and my brothers weren't either because they left my brothers out, and I would tell him, oh, Matthew, you have Legos in here. You have this or you have that, and um, I was in big trouble. So. <laughs> yeah, you're actually going to be my favorite person to give a gift to because it means I don't have to wrap it. Right. What's the point? Well, everybody says that. There's no point in surprising you, so here you go. So I'll just give it to you in the in the bag from the store. Right. Keep in mind, I didn't get you anything, so. I know. It's a, The whole story is a moot point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. Go ahead, Bordies. Yeah, there's something that's been taken up over the past year or two that I saw that I, I actually like and agree with. And because everybody has such a different economic background, that uh, there's been a, a trend lately to only give one or two items, quote-unquote, from Santa and all the larger items from themselves because it's not fair to other kids that don't have their parents don't have enough money it's like mm-hmm. why does billy get you know 15 presents from santa and i can only get two or three right. so that socks from santa one kid gets socks from santa the other gets a playstation 4 yeah. right and you're like was i really that bad <laughs> and was he really that much better than me and it's become the trend to you know or starting to and i i agree with that trend mm-hmm. you know one or two small items from Santa, and then that way nobody feels, you know, gypped in a sense. Yeah, but at the same time, if a kid says, my mommy and daddy bought me the PlayStation 4, and my mommy and but daddy they, bought me the socks, it's the same but effect. They, well, but at least then, it's it's there's a, a differentiation between the two. Right. You know, and, and kids yeah. have an awareness of, you know, this kid's parents have more money than yeah. mine. Right. But to, to say that Santa Claus loves everybody equally, but Santa Claus didn't love you enough to give you the same thing he gave this but guy. the feeling inside that that child feels is no different, no matter who gives it. Yeah, gift. but he's not, but he knows it's, let's call it an earthly reason. It's not, you know... I don't think kids understand that, though. I get what you're trying to say, but the kid's going to hurt no matter what. It's still going to be a crappy feeling to know that you didn't get what your your friends got. Yeah, but he think knows his friends got it from his parents, and it, that happens in their everyday and lives. And it's easier, going yeah, it's easier to, to, to... I mean, I guess it's easier to feel the disappointment knowing that it comes from your parents than to have the disappointment of... Uh, being from Santa Claus, you know, it, it, it really. I mean, not to to, to belittle it at all, uh, mm. belittle people's religion or not, but it'd be like somebody telling you Jesus loves all of us, but He loves you more. You know what I mean? Like people you, do that all the time. You can't. Yeah, I know. That's I know. I, I watch. I get what you guys are trying to say, but thinking to be a four or five year old child and then hearing that your friends got something, no matter who it was from, mm-hmm. is still just yeah. Oh yeah, you're still you're still mad. You don't understand. It. Maybe as you get older, you realize because I. Thinking back, I didn't realize what type of financial situation my parents were in until I was probably a teenager, and I understood what they were bringing home each week and things like that, and I still didn't even really understand until I was probably, you know, closer to being an adult. Well, you have to understand what stuff costs to know. Right. Like, you don't really yeah. understand that. So all you see is, a, you know, big, shiny new bike or a pair of socks. Like, you don't get it, especially when you're younger. So you don't understand why your parents can't afford it. 
You know, and that's why, like, we, we always say, <clears throat> excuse me, we always say that when people need to make donations, like, look at the toys we collected last week at Oddfest. Right. You know, we collected a really good amount of toys, but I always tell people, like, listen, it's it, it's great if you can go out to 55, you know, different toy drives oh. and give them, you all right? <laughs> yeah. It's all right if you can go to 55 different toy drives and give them all a $5 toy. That's awesome. That's great. But also, the, the, people need to, every once in a while, say, you know what, I'm just going to give to one this year and I'm going to give a bike. Yeah. You know, so that the kids who really want something big like that, something significant, can still get it. I don't know. It's it's hard for me because I just I want to give kind of every kid everything that they want. Remembering like when I was a kid, it's not that I didn't get things that I wanted, and I got a lot of things that you know I didn't even ask for, and I felt very lucky and fortunate. But like you you. When somebody has their heart set on something, mm-hmm. like you just want to give them that. Like when my son was younger, I wanted to give him everything that was on his list. Right. Yeah. You know, then it started to get to the point where maybe it's not feasible to do so. Mm-hmm. But when when it's just a bunch of you know ten dollar toys, you find a way to get all of those ten dollar toys. But it doesn't always work that way for for a lot of families. So. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's why I work as hard as I do now, so that way I don't ever have to worry about giving, you know, saying no to my daughter, you know, in a reasonable. Right. At some point, fashion. you have to say no, just right, because. But- I won't have to say no at Christmas time, or I won't have to say, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to figure it out? Um, I mean, kids nowadays, they're asking. Say no to cats. I like cats. I know, but say no. You're not allowed to have any more. I need cats. No to cats. (laughs) Um, One pony, I think we could probably. I asked my husband for another German Shepherd the other day, and I got the look of a lifetime. Um, What about Bianca? He said, She's fine. He said, I we, can't get another Bianca. She'll be mad about he, that. He said, we can't have more German Shepherds than Germany actually has. Um, so that would not work. I was just going to say something, and I got distracted by the cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, oh, kids nowadays are asking for crazy things. Right. Like, I, my good friends are getting their, their daughter, her, their toddler, an iPad. That's something that I wanted to talk about this morning on the Saturday morning show. Yeah. But, you know, the age appropriateness of gifts is, has pretty much flown out the window it now. Has. It's more about, like, how impressive you can be right. with the gifts that you provide. And, and when you give a three-year-old an iPad, you're not giving a three-year-old an iPad so that the three-year-old is happy. You're giving it so that you can show off to all the other adults. I'm like, look, I gave a three-year-old an iPad. I'm the cool one. <laughs> even so, even if they understand how to do it, that's what I talked to my husband about it because I'm not going to go out and buy one. I have one that my kid can use if that's the case. But technology is so far, in, you know, it, what it was when we were growing up. I don't remember getting a computer until I think I was in almost middle school. I, my first computer I got from the, you know, rent, rent-to-own place yeah. when I was in college because I had to. Right. You know, we didn't have one in the house. I had to get a computer because I needed one to do my work. And uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, back then, I couldn't afford to buy a computer for I what they cost. I got a laptop because I needed it for college. That's the only reason I did. But now little kids know how to work iPhones, and they're asking for iPods and iPhones. And I had a flip phone for emergencies in middle school and high school. I didn't have a real cell phone, I think, until I was 18. <laughs> I didn't have a I'm cell not going to say a thing about adult. computers as a kid. I... But- when I was a kid, computers were the size of a desk. Right. right. Your, <laughs> it was the abacus. Your, your first computer was Spiracom. <laughs> but when, when, you know, like when I was a senior in high school, my birthday present was a beeper. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, kids didn't have that cell phones cool. then. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, just the difference of now and then. But it, it, we try to say that we, we want to not be materialistic at this time of year, but we are. Yeah. And, and a lot of the people in the paranormal field, they use this time to get themselves some gifts. 
And uh, the Huffington Post, I don't know if you saw this, Stephanie, when you were looking for some stories, but the Huffington Post has the Ghost Hunters Gift Guide, last-minute gifts for your paranormal pals. So here's some gifts that you can give uh, to other ghost hunters. The Mr. Ghost EMF detector for the iPhone. Uh, It looks like it's basically just an antenna that you screw into the uh, the the, uh, headphone jack there that will help pick up more EMF, and you probably attach that to an app. Everything's so, an app. Yep, the digital temperature thermometer gun. You can get those pretty much anywhere. Actually, uh, Radio, Radio Shack was having a sale on them. Uh, the ghost hunting logbook, moving on. That's essentially just a notebook with a black cover. The EM <laughs> the EM pump by Digital Dowsing. Uh, lots of people have been picking those up over the years. A night vision scope for the iPhone. I've seen those. So you can spend thousands of dollars on a good night vision scope, but why? When you can just use your iPhone, the wireless smartphone snooper will help you see your way around in dark places without having to spend an arm and a leg. And also, I don't think they have it on this list, but now they have the FLIR for the iPhone. Do they? But it's only for the iPhone, not the current one. It's for the 5S only, I believe. Really better. That and it has a very limited range. And it's, only, it's like $300, too. You can get a parabolic microphone. Complete with uh, headphones for listening to it, and you know, it's like it's not like you know just putting the parabolic ear oh, around the okay. microphone. It's like its own direct. Uh, and then also the Olympus VN702 PC voice recorder. That's uh, one of the most classic ones used for EVPs. The Alltech Lansing Orbit MP3 speaker, or pretty much any uh, MP3 speaker like that. Dowsing rods, going old school. An infrared night vision and full-spectrum camcorder. Uh, Those are actually out there now, and there's a few that are making night vision only cameras, mm-hmm. so they're only in night vision. So it's not like a matter if you have the the. I think it's what's it, Bell and Howell. They have one that they've developed uh, that ghost hunters are jumping onto. Paranormal investigators. I mean, ultraviolet LED flashlight. We can never have enough of those. So there you go. Those are some of the gift guides. Should should we read the uh, the last minute gift for the Sasquatch seeker? Let's just see. <laughs> Is it beef jerky? Let's just see what, what they have there. Jack Links. <laughs> All right, here's what they say. Oh, this is by our buddy Greg Greg Newkirk for uh, for Road Trippers. So uh, let's see what he's got here on here. Uh, oh, the DJ2 Phantom, the the DJI Phantom 2 drone with the GoPro camera attached. Uh, night vision goggles, a modern warrior <laughs> ghillie suit. You know, like one of those like makes you look mm-hmm. like Swamp Thing. Uh, a Moultrie A5 low glow game camera. Well, of course, a game camera is perfect for trying to capture Bigfoot. An Omega Star Warrior Stun Baton. How do I get one of these? That's 150,000 volts, the legal maximum. Really? Wow. The Sasquatch Field Guide by Dr. Jeff Meldrum. Accoutrements Bigfoot Research Kit. Uh, it's just about $10. <laughs> plaster of Paris. Well, of course you need Plaster of Paris when you find the Bigfoot print. You need that. The FLIR Thermal Imager mentions the, uh, the iPhone one as well. And Repel 100 Insect Repellent. Also, the <laughs> adult gorilla costume. If your big hood, fun- if your big foot hunting friend isn't so good at gathering evidence, he can always take the route allegedly paved by filmmaker Matthew Morgan and the always entertaining Rick Dyer. Just fake it, and it actually looks pretty much like uh, like like yours. Oh, yeah. That's pretty similar to your your gorilla costume. So. Why would anyone have a gorilla costume? Why not? What do you mean? Do you just randomly I, think? Do you know how much that has come in handy? I, it has. I use it at least three times a year. 
I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> Question asked and answered. What well, made you buy said gorilla costume? First of all, it was on sale. Right. Okay. <laughs> if ever a gorilla suit goes on sale, you buy right. it. Exactly. Oh, I know you have those, an unhealthy those opportunities. Those opportunities do not arise on a daily <laughs> basis. My cats equal your monkeys. Yes. The only difference is his house <laughs> is never going to be full of monkeys. No. It could be, though. But you would love to have your house full of cats. <laughs> I told you, it would make me happy to just roll around in a pile of kittens. I would have a bunch of monkeys, and they'd all be named Gilligan. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Adam's monkey uh, story. Uh, but That's such a good story. <laughs> <laughs> You've gotten so much mileage. Uh, the guy froze a monkey, basically. He froze a monkey. Okay. <laughs> he, he, he killed a monkey. So anyway, uh, you bought this gorilla suit, and you've you've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. wasn't it, Wasn't it just like last year or something uh, that Bob had you deliver something to yeah, his it was, wife? It was February, February this. It was, this was year. it Valentine's Day? Yeah, Valentine's Day. Yep. He had you uh, deliver flowers in a gorilla suit. Yep. Yep. Please tell me that's my in a, uh, And I, I had a, a red blazer as well. That's right, the red blazer with the gorilla costume. That yep. was awesome. What? Oh. No bowler I hat. The, I was the love monkey. I can't. Can we please advertise you for this? He's available. Just email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. I put it on on Facebook. If you need to use... Seriously, you could make a lot of money doing that. He's a a gorilla for hire. I thought about it like the day of... (laughs) He's a gorilla for hire. That was my idea, so I want to get a cut in on this, too. You can seed money. There we go. So he's the 190-pound monkey in the room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so So... a gorilla suit is well worth the investment, I have oh, yeah. to say. Not as much as a Bigfoot suit. A Bigfoot suit is really well worth the investment. Just ask you know, Rick Dyer. But <laughs> the, the gorilla suit is definitely worth the money. Or Jeff Belanger. Yeah, well, I think a lot of folks, Greg Newkirk's got one. Uh, Bruni's got one. Everybody's got a Bigfoot suit. What, we need to get one. Yeah. Just go to uh, GoFundMe.com slash Spooky South Coast. <laughs> make a donation. Tell us it's specifically for the, the Bigfoot costume, and we will order it. But we want one that's movie quality. All right, well, what do you think? Uh, we, we got about a few minutes here. Should we get a little weird? We can get weird. I think we need to get weird. Oh, wait, i got to turn this thing on. This is going to cause a problem. What's gentle? Uh, great. See, I know that was going to happen. All right, here we go. Now let's try it. More bad news. Well, i got a great show for you today. What's so wonderful? Weird stuff. The Week in Weird. All right. First up, we have Google Earth spots a sea monster in New Zealand. Have you guys seen this yet? Google Earth? Yeah, I've seen it. No. Google Earth. The sea monster. <laughs> I have not seen the sea monster. Um, did you say yes, Mom? No, no, I did not. Oh, no. I made something bad happen on my phone. Uh-oh. Um Okay. So... There goes this segment. An engineer... Um, actually was looking at Google Earth and saw a big mass in the uh, the bay off of New Zealand's North Island. I want to make sure I got that right. They, they think it's a sea monster. Um, other people are saying it's a floating tree trunk. Um, some people are saying that it's a boat because it could look like a boat, but other people are arguing there's no white weak, so there's really no actual... Evidence could be a prove. giant, giant turd. It could be anything, but um, Baby some, Ruth. Some people are saying it could be a glitch on the actual 
That's what they always say about the weird things that are spotted on. And Google Earth is great. If you go and search, like, some of the weird stuff that's been seen on Google Earth is, like, people dumping bodies into the... Oh, yeah, because <laughs> you don't know when it's going to... What it's going to catch, when it's going to catch it. And now that they're using the drones, they're everywhere. Right. So, I uh, I think that one's pretty interesting. We should look into that one a little bit further. To I'm, get- I'm going with giant turd, which is still just as weird. Or it could be a sea monster. Yeah, that's possible. Um, it's actually not the first reports that have happened off the coast of Australia and New Zealand, so it's very possible. Um, so next up, we have really weird. Eccentric multimillionaire urinated on candy at CVS. A New York multimillionaire is guilty of dropping his pants and peeing on a candy aisle in a CVS pharmacy. 71-year-old Robert Durst's first bizarre... This isn't his first bizarre accusation, or his most shocking. Um, This guy has been... Well, I should say escaped murder charges more than once. He's been brought up on murder charges and acquitted. So this is nothing for him. Um, He comes from a line of wealthy family members who own real estate in Manhattan. He... uh, went to CVS to pick up a prescription and decided to pee all over the register and then pee all over the store and then pee in the candy aisle on the the candy. So they did report that he wasn't arguing with anyone and he didn't seem agitated. He just picked up his prescription and peed. (laughs) The quote actually says, he just peed on the candy. Skittles, I think. (laughs) Uh, Taste that rainbow. A skittle piddle. (laughs) Right. So, um... He's actually a suspect in the disappearance of his first wife as well. This guy is not wrapped tight, but um, definitely makes for an interesting story. Of course, you know what happened. What's that? After the guy pees all over CVS, the cops showed up. And what did they tell him? What, what did they tell him? You're in trouble. All right. Well, I got, uh, uh, you got another story. I got one more story okay. quick. This is we got like one. two minutes. So. Don't jerk and drive campaign polls. Hello. Jerking isn't a joke and they know it. Unfortunately for the South Dakota Office of Highway Safety, some people think that their new safe driving campaign around the slogan, Don't Jerk and Drive, was a bad idea. The ad campaign, intended to keep people from overcorrecting and jerking their steering wheels in icy conditions, (laughs) struck some as offensive because of its allusion to masturbation. (laughs) Uh, The Highway Safety Office is insisting that it's intentionally inserted into the campaign to get people's attention. Sure. Other people are arguing that they decided to pull the ad because it wasn't supposed to be there. But either way, nobody likes a jerker. It's uh, it's not as blatant as their other campaign. Don't auto-erotic asphyxiate and drive. <laughs> so watch out there, Matt Costa. No Caroline chokeholds. No, 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 no. All right, one real quick final story for you <laughs> because soon. I think we could all use one of these around here. Uh, from Apple's forthcoming smartwatch to the Fitbit, there's fierce competition to get consumers hooked on wearable devices. Soon there will be a bracelet that turns your skin into a touchscreen using a tiny built-in projector. It's called the Secret Bracelet. And you'll be able to check email or watch a film projected onto your forearm by this bracelet, like your arm is a little tiny touchscreen. I saw that, and it's yeah. really weird. I mean, you have to shave I'm your not arm. into it. Right. I mean, I would just be watching like a hairy version of like a music <laughs> video or something. Right. And freckles would get in the way. Like, I get mad when I'm watching television and there's like a little spot <laughs> on the TV. I have to like shut it down, wipe the whole thing down, start all over. So what are you going to do when you, know, you get like a freckle on your arm? And then the other thing is too, like... 
Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, an older person trying to use a touchscreen. It's like, they, they always have to be like this. They have to be like, they're going to have bruises. Yeah, they're going to be walking around looking like somebody beat the crap out of them. What do you do if you have tattoos? No, oh, then you're really in trouble. Mm-hmm. Then you won't be able to see anything. Right. Well, you know, but if I wanted to read an, an email quickly, I suppose on my arm, I could probably get away with it there. You know, it's, I'd rather just stick Then to also, my phone. my phone is right there in my hand. Right. My phone is part of my hand now, so it doesn't really make a difference. All right, well, that does it for this week's show. Uh, we have about a minute left. Moniz, let us know who we'll be talking to next week. We'll be talking to John Burroughs, who is one of the uh, first night uh, witnesses to the Bentwater incident with uh, Jim Penniston. And uh, he's going to be discussing what he saw, what he heard, and uh, what he got in terms of information from everybody else. And uh, he'll be talking about his book that he wrote with Penniston. All right, so that'll be coming up next Saturday night here on Spooky South Coast. We'll be here at 10 o'clock Eastern Time until midnight. And, of course, you can check out all of our past shows on YouTube, on iTunes. Uh, there's videos. There's audios. It's, it's, there's all kinds of stuff there. So if you get any kind of new device for Christmas and you're looking for some content to put on it, Spooky South Coast has you covered. And uh, we will be back next Saturday night. And you can follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC, as well as all of our own individual accounts. Until next week, we want you all to have a great great Christmas and for you all to stay spooktacular.